I want to welcome you to Connection Point Church and, and welcome to all those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors of this great church. So glad you're here today. It's a, it's a great day to be at church. Uh, headed back to school. Lots of students coming in. It's an awesome thing. We love uh, to see the college students coming back. Uh, but the advice would be uh, do your Walmart shopping early. Uh, <laughs> or uh, if you need development of fruit in the spirit in your life, you know, that would be a way to exercise it too. So um, that's okay. Shelly and I, when we were newly married, we were living in Lakeland, Florida. Shelly had a year left in college. And Lakeland, Florida is 45 minutes away from Orlando. So lots of theme parks, and we had a day off, so we went over to Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure. Uh, lots of fun rides. Uh, there's roller coasters there. Our favorite roller coaster was the Incredible Hulk. You know, we were used to uh, roller coasters, you know, I'm of the day where it's just like, you know, chick, 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 you know, you're like climbing, right? And then finally you get to the top, what happens? And then whoosh, you're off, you know? Okay, well, this one is different. So uh, we got in this uh, roller coaster, if you've never been in that one, and, and, you know, all of a sudden you start like a countdown. Nine, eight, you know, three, two, and it shoots you out of this tube and you're off and running. Uh, Shelly is a lot of fun. If you ever get a chance to do amusement park rides with, um, Shelly, you know, it, it's fun to go on those people that they live in the moment which is completely freaked out and scared of what's about to happen, you know? It's awesome. <laughs> so we shot out of there. It was a fun roller coaster, though. We said, you know, that was a lot of fun. And roller coasters are interesting things. It's like we enjoy them, but at the same time, like, there's an element of we fear them, right? It's kind of a weird blend. Uh, any roller coasters that you guys like? Anything you've ridden? What do you think? Any roller coaster riders out there? Come on, we know that you guys have ridden some roller coasters. What are some favorites? Vortex. Where's that one at? Cedar Point. Oh, Kings Island? Okay. What is it? Steel Vengeance? That doesn't sound nice. Wow. Somebody says Superman, Great America up near Chicago, you know, after first service. That, you know, roller coasters are a fun time. It's interesting because I was trying to think about, we're heading into a scripture passage today as we continue our series on Luke, and it talks about fearing God. And it's an interesting concept in the Bible. And it's all throughout the Bible, a fear of the Lord. And it's talked about in the context of it's a good thing. So it's this fear of the Lord, but we love the Lord, and the Lord loves us. So how do we, how do we really explain that? So that's what we want to get into today as we talk about a scripture passage that's really about loving God. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you have a Bible with you this morning. If you don't, there's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. You're welcome to use that one today, and if you don't have one at home, Feel free to take it home as a gift from the church. We want you to have access to God's word. It's important to us. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. Just want to highlight the fact that these are God's words we're reading, and we don't take that for granted. We want to apply those things to our lives. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, just reading the first 12 verses. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, Jesus is talking here, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. 
Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are a more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. These are the very words of God. Maybe seated this morning. Last week, if you were here, as we were in Luke chapter 11, finished off Luke chapter 11, it was a message all about living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees and, and some uh, lawyers of, of Scripture, teachers of the law, and he's helping them to understand that, you know, you're so concerned about the outside, the way that you look, but yet you're dark on the inside. You've got darkness within. In fact, you are death within. That you as a religious person, as a teacher of the law, should be life and light, but you're missing your calling. You're really not living for God. You're simply fulfilling religious duty. And so one of the questions I got after the first service uh, last Sunday was somebody asked, they're like, okay, I get it. We're supposed to live for God, not just fulfill religious duty, but how do we do that? And the great thing is, keep reading the Bible. You get the answer. So that's what today is all about. Today is all about how do we live for God? Jesus defines that for us. We want him to define what it looks like to live for God. So I'm going to actually interchange these words, living for God, loving God, because really it means almost one and the same. And Jesus tells us, you know, somebody asks him, what's the greatest commandment? And he says to love God and love others. And the reason that last week what we were talking about in the passage in chapter 11 is he's telling the Pharisees and and the teachers of the law, look, you guys aren't doing this well. You think you're loving God, but if you're not loving others, it's a good indication that you're not loving God well because God loves all people. He has a heart for them. And so that's where we're going to head into today and answering the question, how do we live for God? How do we love God? And the first thing we find from our passages is that we love God by living in truth. We love God. We live for God as we live in truth. So there's all of these people there. It says thousands, but if you look at the original passage, it really meant tens of thousands. So tens of thousands of people are in this crowd. It says that they're stepping on one another. I tried to picture this. So the only picture I had was uh, Shelly and I in the summers, as we were teaching, out, as we had just gotten out of college, we would go work with a, a summer camp that was down in Missouri. And we decided, so we were living in Chicago at the time. And so we thought, you know, let's take some friends, go back to Chicago for their fireworks on July 3rd. So we drove up, went to Chicago uh, fireworks July 3rd, which is also the time, I don't think they do this anymore, where they pair these things together. But it was Taste of Chicago and Chicago fireworks July 3rd. Oh, my word. I regret that day. And I regret it for a couple of reasons, because I was there, and I brought friends with me. Like, I was not a good friend. Uh, I, it was tens of thousands. It was like, like you're just walking with people everywhere you go. I'm just like, <laughs> this is not good. You know, so I'm starting to stress me out. Tens of thousands of people. So this is the scene. There's all of these people there, and Jesus turns his face to the disciples, because he realizes Okay, we're seemingly growing in popularity. People want to know what I have to say. And and disciples, if you're not careful, you're going to be more concerned with what this crowd thinks about you than what God thinks about you. We've got to be careful. 
So disciples, as you're living for me, don't be concerned so much about the outside. Because if you're looking clean on the outside like the Pharisees, but then you step into the privacy of your home and you're saying things that don't honor God, you need to understand, disciples, that God's still there. He hears that. You know, we might be in our homes or even in the, in the thoughts of our mind and think, well, people can't hear those thoughts there. They don't see this act or, or thing that I'm doing. And, and that may be true, but we need to remember God is there. And there's this measure of understanding that God is there. And for some of us to be like, I- I'm concerned now. <laughs> I'm reminded that God is there. I was listening to a podcast and one of the guys on there was talking about, he went to visit a church and speak at a church where it was this different technology where instead of him wearing a pack he had to turn on, it was a technology where when he began to talk and preach, it was basically, it was always on. And when he would talk to preach, then it would basically sync up with their, their program. But he's like, okay, you want to know intimidating? Wear something that records everything you're saying. But you know what? If we're living free in Christ, instead of saying, God, this is none of your business, we start to open up our lives and say, God, it's all your business. For us to really experience freedom in in him, we need to allow God to invade every area of our lives. We can't hold anything back and allow anything to remain as dark in our lives, thinking somehow God doesn't see it. He sees it. And what we need to remember is we serve a loving God. So the reason that those things come to light, it says in our scripture that it's basically proclaimed from the housetops, is because God says, I see this in your life. It could keep you separate from me. That's not my heart for you. So I'm going to expose that so that we can be in right relationship with one another. We serve a God that fights for us. We serve a God that wants relationship with us. So praise God for that. So instead of living in fear to feel like, oh, God knows everything, it's, God, I'm so glad you know everything, so I can just give this to you and I'm done with it. That you can cast it into the sea of forgetfulness that we have. So I just, I encourage you this morning, we're going to close in song today. I'm going to say it now and I'll reiterate at the end. As we close in song today, if you've got some things that are heavy on your heart because you've not turned them over to God, can you leave those here today? Don't walk out with those in your life. Give everything over to God. Live in truth. That's what it means to live in truth. It's that you realize everything in my life is exposed and I'm glad for it because I can live in truth. Otherwise, we're living a lie and it causes stress and anxiety in our lives that God doesn't mean for you to have. To love God, to live for God, is to live in truth. But what else does it mean to live for God? To live for God, to to love God, it means that we understand we're under his authority. He's got authority over us, but he also has concern for us. We love God as we recognize he has authority over us, but that he also has concern for us. So as we move from Jesus is talking about, hey, don't allow the yeast of the Pharisees. And that's the other thing too. What Jesus is saying is, look, what you could fall into without knowing is if you start to just fulfill religious duty, you're no longer living for God, that could grow in your life without you even knowing. So don't do it. What you need to do is live a life of truth and you need to understand that you're under God's authority. He makes this interesting statement. He says, don't fear this crowd who might have the ability, if they don't like you, to kill you. Don't fear them. What you need to fear is the person who, if you don't live rightly for him, he could actually send you into eternal separation from him. That's not his heart. That's not what he wants to do. But we need to fear him. So what does it mean to fear God? That's what I want to get into. What does it mean to fear God? Because we need to understand that this morning. And the best answer we can get is, let's look at scripture. What does it have to say? Because it's all throughout the Bible. So I want to look at Proverbs first. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Who fears the Lord when? Always. 
but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So here's our comparison here. So somebody who has a hard heart is somebody who doesn't fear the Lord. So somebody who fears the Lord has a soft heart. So do you have a soft heart today? Do you have a heart to hear from the Lord and respond? So that's one of our definitions. We could also go to Isaiah. Isaiah shares, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. So tremble is fear. So it's, again, it's about the issue of our heart. Do we have a humble heart before God? Do we have respect for his word? That as we read the words this morning, do we have a heart to say, God, I revere you and I want to follow in your word. So having a fear of the Lord is having a humble heart, is having a soft heart. But we also find in the, in the New Testament, we go to the book of Philippians. So of course we find it in our passage this morning in Luke, but Paul, a New Testament follower of Jesus, he also writes. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I love this combination, reverence and fear. Reverence is a good word. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So in this context, fear of the Lord is a faith motivator. There's something about understanding the awesome majesty of God, this all-powerful God, that we have reverence for him and we have a heart to do what pleases his name. So that's a bit of the fear of the Lord. But then we also have this interesting combination here, because what does Jesus say? Fear the one. But then what does he say? Oh, and by the way, uh, there's not a sparrow that the Lord doesn't know about and take care of. And he happens to know all the hairs on your head, so fear not. Isn't that interesting? Fear him, but fear not. So which is it? It's that we understand, as we look at these passages, we have reverence for an almighty God, but we also know he's our loving heavenly father. So the best definition I can give you, what is it, fear of the Lord? It's revering a loving God. It's having reverence for a loving God. This is important for us. Uh, Isaiah, he writes about uh, Jesus as the Messiah. He writes about the Messiah. And what he writes about in Isaiah, if we can go to that passage, what does he say? And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So Isaiah's writing about the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the awaited one. And what does he say? And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighting and having reverence for the loving Heavenly Father. And I think part of the expression of that, as we look at the New Testament, it says so often, Jesus took time to slip away and spend time in prayer. I think he did that because he had reverence for a loving Heavenly Father. He wanted a relationship with him. Do you have reverence for God today? I mentioned the quote last week, um, but I've always appreciated it. C.S. Lewis, I feel like he summarizes this pretty well. I think it's Lucy who's talking to Mr. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver, he, she's basically saying, I'm kind of nervous, maybe it was Susan, and she says, I'm nervous about meeting Aslan, the lion. Should I be nervous to meet him? Is he safe, she asks. And Mr. Beaver says, well, safe. Well, well no, he's not safe, but he's good. That's reverence for God, to say, honestly, I don't want Jesus to be safe. I want him to invade my life, that any area that doesn't please him, come in and take it out. Show it to me that you might deal with it. So I don't want you to be safe, but I'm so glad that you're good. We serve a good God. Have reverence for our loving Heavenly Father. So do you have reverence for God? Do you have a fear of the Lord? A healthy fear. Not, you're not afraid of God. That's not the point. So don't connect fear with afraid. That's not right. We just have a healthy reverence for an almighty, 
powerful God that has a heart for us. So where are you at today? Do you love God with all your heart? Do you have a desire to please him? Do you have a desire to live well for him? Do you allow him to every area of your life? We love God. How do we love God? We love him by understanding his authority over us and that he's got concern for us. And we also find as we continue reading that we love God by following Jesus and sharing his good news. We love God by following Jesus and sharing his good news. I want to back up because I, I missed sharing this in the first service, but an illustration to help you understand kind of the nature of an almighty God, the all-powerful God that we have, and the reverence that we should have for him. Before Shelley and I uh, came to Connection Points, so we've been here two and a half years now, we, were, we had just come back from overseas in June of, of 2015. We had spent time in Jerusalem um, working with uh, reaching Muslim people groups there. And as we were itinerating, we stopped by the church here as a part of that. They invited us to come and to candidate. You know, would you come and lead the church? And we were really wrestling with that and, and just wondering, well, God, we know you're doing great things. Do you want us to stay in Jerusalem or do you want us to come to this church? We don't know anybody. I, at that point, maybe knew two people in the state of Indiana. Um, so it was just, it was interesting for that to come at us. So we took a lot of time uh, to pray, to fast and pray and asking God's direction. But at the same time, we were itinerating. So every Sunday, I'm speaking in another church about their opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission over in faraway lands. So I'm sharing that every Sunday, every Sunday. And I was also taking classes at Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, working on my Master of Divinity. And so I finished a class and went into an empty classroom and was talking with a pastor who was in Seattle. He wanted to be a part of what we were doing in Jerusalem. But all the while, I'm in conversation here, and we don't know exactly where this is, is leading, but we want to be faithful to God. And and so I'm talking with this pastor, expressing the opportunity that they could have to be a part of what God's doing in Jerusalem. And, and when I hung up from that Skype phone call, I'm telling you, the presence of God came into that room. Um, so you want to talk, you know, people are like, I wish I could have the presence of God. <laughs> I say, be careful what you ask for, because um, it's weighty. And God came into that space, and he said, you can stop talking about Jerusalem now. But I needed that. I needed God to show me. But all that to say, I had to have a soft heart and have a fear for the Lord to say, God. And at that point, I didn't talk about Jerusalem again. I was still supposed to visit with some churches before we came here to candidate. But I just simply called each one and said, look, we're going to be pastoring in Indiana, but I'm happy to still come and just give a report on what God's been doing. Are you okay with that? And they're like, yes, please come. At that, that was a changing point for us. God's presence is an awesome thing. But you need to have reverence for the fact that, God, I know that I'm under your authority, but I also know that you've got concern for us. So if this is the direction you're leading us, I know that you are good, that you'll be good to Shelley, that you'll be good to Nate, that you'll be good to Haley, that you'll be good to Lucas. I trust you, God. So do you have a healthy fear of the Lord, which is just a reverence for him? Do you have a soft heart for God to hear from him? Loving God is to have a soft heart for him. And loving God, that last point, is following Jesus and sharing his good news. Loving God is following Jesus, sharing his good news. So Jesus mentions to the disciples, he says, look, you've got this crowd, and you're concerned about what they're thinking about you, but I'm telling you, if you aren't willing to stand with me with this crowd to say that I follow Jesus, then you really have no part in the kingdom of God. So let's remember the context. He's, these disciples are all surrounded by people, and they're looking at them, and I know Jesus knows they're wrestling in their heart. In other words, Jesus is saying, if this crowd turns against us, does that matter? Are you still going to stand with me and follow Jesus? Because Jesus does know there is coming a day where a crowd is going to turn against him. And disciples, what are you going to do? So he's trying to walk them through and saying, you've got a journey with me for a lifetime. 
And then Jesus shares this very challenging verse. And if it doesn't make you stop and think, let me read it to you again. So here's what he says. He says, And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I remember reading that verse as a kid and wondering, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? I sure don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to live in unforgiveness, God. Help me there. So I needed some insight. What does it mean that you can be forgiven for for not acknowledging Jesus, but, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that you won't be forgiven. And so when you look at this passage, you look at this verse, again, it's in the context of there are these people that are there. Jesus is trying to raise up the disciples and following him. And when you look at the passage, what it's really meaning is this. And, and honestly, Dustin Scott, you're a great example this morning, man. That he, he basically, he said, if you listen to this testimony, he said, look, I, I turned my heart, I was mad at God. I, I wasn't happy with Jesus. But then what happened? He gave his life fully to God. He's here today and baptized this morning. So that's where he may have turned his back on God at one point, but what did he do? He said it straight to say, God, I know you have a heart for me and I want to follow you. So you might, maybe you're here today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you had turned your back on God, but you came back to following Jesus. And so then that can be forgiven. That's what he's saying. But maybe you're here today. You know who Jesus is, but you've never responded. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. Holy Spirit is saying, God loves you. I want you. You're a child of God. And the question is, have you responded to that? If you live your life and you never respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, what this is saying is one day you're going to face God. And at that point, it's too late. You can't at that moment say, man, I missed it. It's too late. If that's you today, the good news is it's not too late right now. What it's saying is if you have denied Jesus up to this point, you can turn to him today and you can be forgiven and live with God for eternity. That's God's heart for you. God's heart for you is not to live in eternal separation from him. God's heart for you is to live for eternity with him. Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. Here's an example. New Testament, book of Acts. Paul, his name was Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the church. He persecuted the people who followed Jesus. He denied Jesus. But what happened? God got a hold of his heart. Jesus knocked him off his horse. And so then he goes into Damascus, gives his life over to God, and then he lives for Jesus for a lifetime. So he may have initially said, Jesus, I don't want to follow you. In fact, I'm going to persecute your people. But then he gives his life to God, and now he lives in eternity with God. So where are you at this morning? Have you denied Jesus? and then turn to follow him, praise God for you today. But maybe you're here today and you deny Jesus and you continue to deny Jesus because we live in a world that struggles with something that's exclusive. Where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one can come to God the Father outside of me. We can look at that and say, well, it's kind of unloving that there's one way. And I would say it's very loving that he showed us the way. So will you choose him today? That's what's before you. God loves you so much, he can't force you to love him. And if you're a parent, you understand this. I can't force my kids to love me, but man, I sure hope that they do. God's heart is for you to love him today. So where do you find yourself today? Do you love God? Do you have a heart to live for him? Do you have a soft heart for God? Are you living in truth? Are you following Jesus and sharing his good news? Because the end of the passage, what's it say? That even as people come against you, as you stand before people, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. In other words, I am going to equip you to share my good news. That's part of what it looks like to live for God. 
Living for God. Loving God. That's what we're defining today. Jesus says, greatest commandment, love God, love others. What's it look like to love God, to live for him, not just fulfill religious duty? You love God by living in truth. Does God have access to every area of your life? If not, can you surrender that to him today? At the end, as we sing, and the song team is going to come here in a moment, we'll have the prayer team come up front. Give that over to God today. Share that with the prayer team. There's power in confession. There is. We find it in the New Testament book of James. Just confess that to the Lord and know that he has cast that aside and you're free in his name. Walk out in freedom today. Live in truth. That's how we love God. But we also love God by understanding he has authority over our lives and he's got concern for us. I'm so glad that God has authority over Shelly and I's lives, over our kids' lives, and he's got concern for us. That's why we're here today. And I'm glad for that. There's no other place I'd rather be but right here because that's what God's wanted and so that's what my heart is. I want what God wants. And how do you love for, live for God? How do you love him? You follow Jesus and you share his good news. Are you loving Jesus today? Are you following Jesus today? Have you made that decision? And I'll say this this morning too. If you've never been water baptized, one of the things we do on these water baptism Sundays, if you want to be baptized, we're ready for you. We've got a change of clothes. We've got towels. So if you want to be baptized today, is after we sing our songs today, just come up and let me know and we'll baptize you before we leave today. So if you've not been baptized, be baptized today. Follow Jesus with all of your heart today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song. I'll give two invitations today. The first is this, as it relates to following Jesus. If you've denied Jesus your whole life, but now today you say, I want to turn to him. What's it say? You can be forgiven. So live in that forgiveness today. Don't live separate from God. Live close to his heart today. So if that's you today, you'd say, I've been living apart from Jesus. I, I've had nothing to do with him, but but today I want to live different. With every head bowed in this room today, if that's where you find yourself today, you'd say, that's me. I haven't been living for Jesus. I've never given my life over to him, but I want to do it today. Simply raise your hand. Raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you before we leave. Anybody here today to say, that's me. I want to be forgiven. The word says that I can be. Over here on the left, anybody else? It says, I want to live a forgiven life. I want to live close to God here in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody say, that's me today. I want to live for God. I want to express my love to him. God, I just pray. I pray for those that raise their hands today. I just pray, Jesus, that you would lead them well. May they journey with you for a lifetime. I thank you, God, that you promised forgiveness and that you gave it in this moment. So God, we just pray for freedom in the lives of those that dedicate their lives to you. Lord, I just pray that they would have a heart to follow you for a lifetime, to live for you. And so God, I pray that you'd equip them to do it. I pray, Lord, as the enemy comes against them, to speak doubt in their minds, I just pray against it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that they would have a heart to live with you, to know that we'll have people to come alongside them in mentorship because we, we know that we're called to live life on life in the kingdom of God. And so God, I just pray that they would respond to you fully today and never turn back. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, to come to the front. And we've already got some prayer team members. Uh, we've got some on the side here. But prayer team members, if you don't mind to come, and be on both sides, but we also have a couple of people that are gonna, we'll follow up with. If you raise your hand today to say, I wanna follow Jesus, you're in a room of people that celebrate you today. And so we just wanna celebrate you by asking, hey, why don't you come down? We wanna have you meet with somebody from the prayer team. We'll give you a Bible and information on where you go from here. We don't wanna leave you alone in that decision. Church is community, so we want you in community. So as we sing, if that's you, just simply come down, meet with Pastor Mark, and we'll get you matched up with somebody to be able to journey with with Jesus. But as we sing, going back to that first point this morning, living in truth, 
If there's things in your life that you know you've not surrendered to God, don't hold on to those things today. Be set free in Jesus' name. Allow God to have access to every part of your life. When you're living in truth, you're living a good life. You're living a holistic life. Otherwise, you're living a fractured life, and that's not what you're meant to live in his name. So I just encourage you, step out from your seats, pray with people from the prayer team. Um, ask God to take that over, to take over every area of your life as we sing today.